0: And we are live! Is this thing on? Is it on? Because if it is, it's your boy, Edwin. Your host, Edwin. Your handsome, aesthetically pleasing host, Edwin. I'm going too far, guys. Whatever. But anyways, it's Game Breakers! It's Game Breakers! You know what time it is, man. Friday is time. Because after this long, long week that I know people have had, This past week, and it's been tough. It's been some days you didn't feel like getting up. It's been some days you didn't feel like doing anything. It's been some days where you wanted to stay in bed, but you got up. You did what you had to do. And coming from me, I just want to say, guys, that I am proud of you. I'm proud of you. Keep on fighting the good fight and keep on doing your thing. But, anyways, less about all that nonsense. Let's talk about some freaking sports. As usual, a lot to get into today because. Boy, was I shocked last night. And we'll talk about that Texas and Eagles game. But before we go into that, let's quickly talk about Bradley Chubb and his new deal with the Dolphins. So we have five years, 119 million extension, and 63.2 million guaranteed. Whoa, we man. So, first off, it's not like we didn't know this move was coming because we we saw that if they're willing to give up a first-round pick for Bradley Chubb, then they're going to actually try to make him a cornerstone piece for their team moving forward. And he will be right. So him getting an extension was not a big deal for me, but the amount of guaranteed money that was installed into that deal is where I have a bit of an issue. Now you guys know how I feel about Bradley Chubb, but for those who did not hear what I said about Bradley Chubb before in the past, I think he's a good player. I think that he's ascending, but His injury history scares me. It does. I'm sorry. It scares me to give him that much money guaranteed when I know there's been a couple of seasons where he has not played more than 10 games, you know, about eight games in two seasons sometimes, right? So I think that he is not a top five player at his position either way, because if he was, then I would have no deal. I I would have no problem with this deal. I wouldn't, even if he has some injury history. Because we can see that CMC, yeah, his injury history scares you. But when he's healthy, he does what he does. And we've been seeing that the entire season so far of him just playing some great football. But Riley Chubb, to me, is not a top five edge rusher or top five outside linebacker at his position right now. I think that if it came down to him being healthy more times than not, that he probably would be in that conversation. And don't get me wrong, guys we can still put him in that conversation of mismatch problems because he's just that good above average uh, edge rusher. And he's just not quite there yet, but he's almost there. I think that he would, he would be there. If he would be healthier, he would have more time to produce, have more time to create havoc for other quarterbacks, have more time to mess up the game plan for other opposing schemes and offenses, but he's not been healthy. So I can't really say that I'm I'm ecstatic about this deal I think that it's a good move for the Dolphins in the sense that you gave him a first-round pick, the, the Broncos, so you had to extend Bradley Chubb. You had to. I mean, you can't use a one-year rental for this guy after giving up a first-round pick to get him for a guy that has an extensive history with injuries, by the way. So this move is not a shocker. But the guaranteed money, though, I think that if he does not live up to his expectations, it will come back to bite him, which it possibly could. But don't get me wrong. Do not get me wrong. Rally Chubb is a young player, what was he, only, only 26 years old, I think, and he has the potential, and we're still speaking about his potential, he has the potential to still be a really dominant player in this league. You saw his first couple of games with Von Miller, and yes, he did have Von Miller on the other side, but when Von Miller wasn't there, he was still making some plays, he was still being a factor in the game plan for defenses, right? So, he's going to be a game wrecker, don't get me wrong, but... Can he stay healthy? That's the biggest thing. And if he does stay healthy, once again, Jalen Phillips, (laughs) Melvin Ingram, who has not played the best this year, but he's still there. Emmanuel Agba is still there. Christian Wilkins. Bradley Chubb, that D-line is looking really scary, really scary. And the Dolphins, they sense that they have a player that can help them win games for the course or the duration of the seasons to follow. I mean, when you have a guy like Bradley Chubb on your team, He's a guy that can help you win a lot of games, especially when you have the defensive talent that you have on your roster right now. So there's no reason why we can't count the Dolphins to be a contender moving forward. You know, Tyree Carroll, Jalen Waddle, Tua is, is playing much better. I mean, he's had some some spurts of, why wow, I still don't believe in him, but for what it's worth, he does have the talent at his disposal. Mike McDaniel is also calling up a good game. He's not a bad head coach so far. So we've seen in the past couple of weeks at five and three. So I'll give them the credit. I will. I will give them the credit. But it's all dependent on how Bradley Chubb can stay healthy. And if he does stay healthy, he can help this team win a lot of games and be a factor in the AFC, which is pretty quarterback dominant right now with Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, um, Derek Carr if you Adam to that mix, I guess, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson. So all these quarterbacks that you have to face, you need to get some pressure. And Bradley Chubb is a guy that has been what top three this year in pressure rate. So he should definitely be able to help you guys get some more pressure and give you guys some more distinct looks to help you with some football games. So we'll see what happens. But now let's dive into the Texans and Eagles what the hell happened in this game? The spread for this game coming in was what? I think it was 12. No, 13.5. It was once 14. For some reason, Vegas said, we're going to make it 13.5. Still did not cover regardless. But my prediction was the Texans would get smuggled in this game. They would get blown the F out in this game. They would have no chance. The matchup problems that were to be posed against them, be real in this game i mean you look at last week they couldn't stop the run they had no passing offense and by the way coming into last night no brandon cooks he was supposed to be traded already a guy and by the way brandon cooks is a veteran that i really respect a lot i really do because when you look at his duration of his nfl career and what he has been going through as far as just being traded multiple times i think that if he would have been traded again He would have been the most traded player in NFL history for what it's worth. So he has been a guy that has been professional. And that's what you can ask for a guy of his caliber. Right. And has been steadily productive for a team that has not been winning football games. That has had some questions at the quarterback position in recent years, has had nothing going for them. Multiple coaching changes. And he has just stuck through it. But he, at some point in time, can get disgruntled. And it's it's obvious. You can see it. And it's understandable. Why? Because Brandon Cooks doesn't want to play on a losing franchise, doesn't want to play on the team that has the worst record in the NFL right now as it stands. You know, so him not being traded is very disappointing to see because I felt like he could have helped out a couple of teams that needed some receivers, the Green Bay Packers, Dallas Cowboys. But the Texans are crazy. I heard heard that they were asking for a second round pick and a fourth round pick for Brandon Cooks. In addition to his 18, 18 million, was 18.5, I think, or just 18 million guaranteed contract. Like, who's going to accept that from Brandon Cooks right now? He's a good receiver, but 18 million guaranteed, as well as giving up a second round pick, he's a starter, but he's not that good of a player to give up a second round pick at this point of his career. Come on, guys. Let's be honest here. The Texans were playing hardball and they, it's it's evident that they like Brandon Cooks, but to try and get that type of conversation for him is not what I really expected to happen. So moving on to this game, yes, a matchup problem that I thought would be a big problem for the Texans, and they were actually coming out blazing, blazing in their sense at least. You know, so we have the first drive, the first, the very first drive. I saw some spurts, I saw some greatness. From this texans unit that i have not seen all year long against a very good defense by the way it was only nine plays 75 yards but a back of the end zone touchdown catch to quateriano who is this guy and he made a tough grab in the end zone so they're off and running right there and what i did not envision happening was we, we knew that the only game plan for them to have against the eagles that would possibly work was to run the football But the Eagles are still good enough in that department. But the Texans rolled over these guys in that department. I mean, to give up 139 yards to Damian Pierce is insane, considering who he's playing against, at least. This guy, Damian Pierce, is running hard once again, breaking tackles, making plays out of nothing. He's going to be a stud, man. He is already a stud right now, but he's going to be one of the best running backs in the NFL possibly for me if he continues this trajectory of playing some good football because he is unstoppable right now. Really unstoppable. But anyways, to be able to run the football that well gave them an opening for the entire playbook, which to the duration of the first half, it worked. The game was knotted at 14-all. Crazy, crazy. And there's one play that pretty much for me changed the entire outlook of the game because the Texans is tied 7-7, okay? And even though... They end up giving up another touchdown drive later on in that first half. It's tied 7-7 at this point. The Eagles look like the 7-0 team right now, 8-0 team that we all expected. They're coming out, trying to take over the game. What happens? Steven Nelson causes a fumble on Jalen Hurts that keeps the Texans in reach. Now, they go figuring out the next drive, but that fumble is crucial to at least keep you guys in reach and not to get blown out so quickly. In this game, I thought that was really important. And by the way, Texas' D line caused some problems in this game. Jerry Hughes, don't forget about him. He has been playing some good football this year. All right, he's their best pass rusher this season. Okay, he's a quality pass rusher to me, above average. And he had what two sacks last night. They made some plays. They forced Hurts to run out the pocket and to at least extend the drive by using utilizing his legs, which. You can see him doing regardless, and that's one of his strengths anyway. But against the Texans, you you would think that they would be comfortable playing in this game. And so far, at least in that game, he had some instances of not really looking comfortable, looking the best. So kudos to them on that standpoint. But um, the game is tied all all, And, you know, after a missed field goal by the Eagles that got him in field goal range, I'm not sure how he missed it, but it is what it is. Okay. And let's, let's let's fast forward to third quarter. This is where the game changes for me. Davis Mills throws a pick when the game is tied um, in the middle of the field to Gardner Johnson. I don't understand why. And you know, guys, every time I say this, I, I just I, I'm really just baffled by what I see sometimes because I don't understand why. It looked like there was some miscommunication between him and the receiver. Maybe he wanted the receiver. I think it was Chris Moore. He wanted him to, to stop because he felt some pressure, but he wasn't even looking in his direction, you know? So he just threw the ball up for grabs in the middle of the field and Garner Johnson just being there because he threw it straight to him, picked the ball off, and the Eagles end up capitalizing off of that by going up 21-14 to 14 after that A.J. Brown touchdown. But it's players like those that will never help you win a game against a good team when you are a bad team, by the way. Like, you have to be damn near perfect. And for the most of the first half, they were almost perfect for what they have been this season. But when you have a drive like that, and you you end in a, a turnover, by the way, in your own half, too, doesn't look the best. Doesn't look the best at all. You know? Um, and Javon Hargrave, what a game he had. What a game he had. I know the Eagles were kind of like pushed back away as far as just the trenches in the, the defense line department, but... Javon Hargrave, three sacks, three tackles for a loss. Well, he had like, what, uh, three QB hits or maybe I forget how much. He had a lot. And for a guy that had, didn't really work out in Pittsburgh, you know, it is what it is. Didn't work out in Pittsburgh. I get it. But he has come to the Eagles and he has changed his entire demeanor on the field. I mean, he has been playing a different caliber style of football, which is dominant dominant, guys, dominant, you know? So I got to give him credit. I really do. Got to give him credit because he has been working on his game. And for what it's worth, only a third-round pick has been steadily productive for the Eagles since coming to them. I mean, we'll look at his stats from the past couple of years, right? Last year, Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl, 18 QB hits. He has 7.5 sacks as a nose tackle, by the way, as a three-technique nose tackle, whatever you want to call it, all right? The year before that, his first year in Philadelphia, 4.5 sacks. I think that was the year that he was traded to the to the Eagles. Yeah, 4.5 sacks. Um, and also, in and, and total, 8.5 sacks for, for the most part. But this year, already six sacks, eight QB hits. Javon Hargrave has been playing like a monster this year. A monster. So he should definitely be a nod for the Pro Bowl this year if he continues this trend trajectory of just playing upward and whatnot. But... You know, the game just gets out of hand in the sense that the Eagles take over. They become that 7-0 team that we want them to be, that we know them to be at that point in time. And I, I just like the I like the game plan of using Dallas Goddard more often than not. Because let's face it, guys, he's a mismatch problem. And I, I know he's not really a top 10 tight end, possibly. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I think that he is in my book. But depending on what people may say about him, he may not be. Whatever. It's cool. But to me, he's a mismatch problem. And if you get him going, now you have to worry about AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, and a tight end who can run past linebackers can can be a focal point on the offense. So he was last night, 100 yards receiving, eight receptions, second most of this season. I mean, he could be that guy that can take over the game for them if need be. I think he can. So once again, reiterating that if the passing game is this good, and yes, it is a Texans. It is a Texans. Don't get me wrong. It's a Texans. But if the pass game can be this good, alongside the running game, being dominant as it will be every week, depending on who they play at least, this team will be scary. And it already is scary. And for all those who want to say about them beating up against poor teams, listen, you have to understand, all right, we see the dominance from this Eagles team week in and week out. It's not the same situation where we saw the 11-0 Steelers two years ago. Not the same thing where I saw the Cardinals last year being, what, 11-0. No. We saw those teams spiral out later on in the season for a reason that we all believe that they were pretenders. And they were. The Eagles, to me, are not not that pretending type team. They're a team that, that takes care of business. All right. And even though this game was kind of close in the first half, pulled away later on. But every other game so far, they have dominated. And even the, even, even if the scoreline does not depict that, to me, there was never a chance that the other team had in those games of winning. Never a chance. Never a chance. I didn't see anything. For the Cowboys' sake, Cowboys had a little bit of a, a, a spur of where they had a chance of coming back. But even then, I knew that the Eagles, once you go back to your game plan, this team will never have a chance. At home especially, no, of course not. So for all those who want to talk about the Eagles winning against the Texans, you know, these other the Cardinals and whatnot, was it, um, I'm drawing blanks here, but it doesn't matter at this point. You know, it is what it is, but they are dominating every game for me, for the most part, and that is the reason why they are the best team in the NFC, 8-0, and for some, better than the Bills, for some, better than the Bills, because they have, a, they have a part of their offense that the Bills don't, which is running the football. The Bills can run the football, but do they run the football? More times than not, no. And that can hurt, that can hurt them. That can come back to bite them. For the Eagles' sake, they know they can pass the football well. They can run the football well. They have every ingredient known to man <laughs> to win football games right now. So, yes, I will give them their props. They are that dominant. But let's move on. Let's talk about some NFL picks for week eight. Yes, sir. We are, well, sorry, no, not week eight, week nine. I'm sorry, guys. We are moving by pretty fast. Start off with the Bills and Jets. Who do we have here in this matchup? Of course, the Bills, but do the Jets cover is the question. The Bills are favored by 11.5. I will go Bills 28 to 17 only because I'm trying to give my defense some respect here. You know, and I would give them more respect if my offense was confident enough to move the football as well as we possibly can be, if we don't make mistakes, turn the football over, you know, those three and outs that we don't need in games where we need to try and win against good teams, you know, that's what happens. But I don't really envision us trying to move the football as well enough to stop our defense from giving up too many points. So that's why I'll give the Bills 28 points. Um, but with a cover, they just miss it. They just miss it. And it's very disappointing once again because I would I would have taken six and three at the bye. But five and four. Oh boy, man. That loss to the Patriots last week really effed me up, guys. Really effed me up. But it is what it is. All right. Chargers and Falcons. Okay. So this game right here is gonna be a toss-up for me. Why? Because. The Chargers are favored by three points coming off of a bye. Okay, so we might have a more healthier Justin Herbert. But the Falcons, what have we been saying about the Falcons all year long? They know how to manage the football game. And they have an advantage that is a big disadvantage to the freaking Chargers, which is what. once again, running the damn football. The Falcons know how to run the football. They know how to do it. They know how to. So, for some reason, they are good at that right now, all right? Whether it's Mariota, whether it's Algier, doesn't matter, you know? <laughs> like, these guys know how to do that. So, with that being said, we know how terrible the Chargers can be, how terrible they can be this season at stopping the run. So, the biggest thing that the Chargers have in this department, as far as just advantage is concerned, is that they are coming off of a bye, Right? And on top of that, they know that the passing offense of the Falcons is not really that great. I mean, we know Mariota has been making some plays this year, and he was dealing last week. But aside from Drake London, there's no Cameron Ridley anymore. There was never any Cavin Ridley anyway. But, you know, aside from Drake London, who's going to scare you? Zacchius, Kyle Pitts, has been, who has been anonymous in this offense so far this year? I don't know. The only avenue of winning this game is to run the football. But well, I could be wrong. So what they could possibly do is just stack the box and force Mariota to beat them, which typically against guys like Mariota, we would want him to do anyway, you know? And on top of that, the Falcons defense is scary as far as just not scary as in good. They're scary as in, Oh boy. I mean, I don't know if they can stop anybody because that pass defense is pretty bad, (laughs) pretty bad going up against Justin Herbert. Oh man. I don't know. I really don't know. So, I'm going to call the Chargers to win this game on the road. Uh, I'm going to call them to not cover in this game, by the way. So I'll go 20-27. No, I'll go 2017 Chargers. Yeah. So they just missed the cover. But the Falcons, I wouldn't be surprised if they win this game either. And they are my dark horse to win this division. Just saying. They are. Because you look at the Buccaneers, they are not playing that well at all. But we'll get to that game. Dolphins and Bears. Dolphins favored by 4.5. I actually have them to cover this game, surprisingly. I'll go 27-16 Dolphins. Um, the Bears, to me, did a lot of good things last week against the Cowboys. We get that. We understand that. Uh, but Bradley Chubb. Bradley Chubb. This is his first game. His first game to make an imprint, okay, to make an impact in the game, right? So let's see how much of a mismatch he provides for his other teammates to get to Justin Fields against an offensive line that has not been great this entire season, you know, uh, 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 a offense that is trying to find its way as far as just getting some better looks for Justin Fields. But listen, man, a young quarterback still against a Josh Boyer defense. I'm not sure if he really fares well against them. So I'm going to go dolphins here on the road to be back-to-back NFC North teams right on the road, by the way, too. So Tua, Going into this game, I think that he'll have some plays that would be limited as far as just the big passing element because of my belief in the Bears' secondary to at least limit that. We know what we saw last week against the Cowboys wasn't the best showing, but this is a team that, yes, you have Tyreek Hill, you have Jalen Waddle, but it's not going to be as downfield passing as much as we saw as the Cowboys last week. At least I don't think it will be, right? So we'll see what happens, but... I'm going Dolphins 27 to 16. Bengals, Bengals, and the Panthers, two sucky teams right now. Bengals at four and four. Panthers at two and six. Panthers have another element that can help them in this aspect of winning, possibly on the road, which is getting after the QB. The Bengals, as we all know and love, they suck at protecting duck. duck <laughs> they suck at protect, protecting Joe Burrow. How about to say ducking Joe Joe Burrow? What, what was I about to say? Anyways. They suck. They really do suck. The point is, is that that Panthers overall team. Yes, we have seen them find some type of success at running the football, at passing the football. P.J. Walker. okay, looking good. But do I really believe in them to come on the road? Okay, come on the road against the Bengals team that looks pretty desperate right now. I'm not going to lie. Looks pretty desperate. You know, they they have not been playing some good football, all right? And I don't think they're going to have that matchup problem that's going to help them in this case as far as just the Panthers playing some man-to-man coverage. They won't play that as much this game. I don't think they will, which should mean that they're going to have some chances to make some plays on defense, you know, and get some stops. It's going to be an ugly football game to me, really ugly. So I'm going to go Bengals uh, 24-20, you know, but... I'm not confident. I'm really, I'm really not confident at all. I'm really not. I think that the game could be, like, really, really close and sloppy until the fourth quarter where you start making some big plays and you see some big-name talent come off. But even that, no Jamar Chase, right? Only T Higgins and Boyd. So that should bode well for the Panthers to at least try and limit the big passing plays. So if they do that, and we already know they're not that great at running the football anyway, the Bengals are, then this game might be a little bit more closer for the Panthers to make some more plays to win the game. And we saw last week they can make some plays. I mean, DJ Moore, that Hail Mary. Let's see if we can do it again, right? But Bengals 24-20. Packers. Packers and the Lions. Coming into this season, right, after you saw the first game, maybe the first couple of games for the Lions standpoint, well, they were playing some good football, they couldn't stop a cold on defense but they were playing some good football on offense it looked pretty good i was thinking to myself you know what they might actually be competitive in these divisional games nah eh, not really for the most part but these two teams are coming off of what five five straight losses four straight losses damn it's been that bad so one of these teams has to win unless they decided they want to do ties whatever but lions are home packers the biggest thing for them is that defense right now that defense can limit some of the big passing plays that the lions possess. Um, I, I do still think the lions will be able to move the football considerably well, because they do have a, a still good offensive line. You did get back last week, Don swift. So he should be a big boost. Um, Jamal Williams is still going to be there so they can run the football on this unit, but Jared Goff, though, do I trust him against that secondary? I don't know. I really don't know. I'm not going to say I don't or do because he definitely is capable, but I I have nothing to put on the finger as far as just you know confidence is concerned. So Aaron Rodgers, if we can see him develop that trust and, and maintain it against the Lions, which I saw last week, a couple of spurts in that game against the Bills, if we can see him develop that trust, with his young receivers, then they'll have a chance to definitely win this game. And we know that the, the Lions can't stop anything. They can't. So if there's any game to have some big plays, it'll be this game. If there's any game to once again get the running game going, it'll be this game. So I'm going to go Packers here 24-30. No, no, sorry, 23-20. 23-20, yeah, Packers. It'll be a close game. Packers are favored in that game by 3.5. So, and they just missed the cover. So I'll go Lions to cover that spread. Colts and Patriots. The Colts have not beaten the Patriots (laughs) at Gillette Stadium in six matchups. Do they have a chance now? No. Of course not. No. Patriots are favored in that game. Six points. Man, oh, man. So Bill Belichick gets to have Zach Wilson one week and Sam Ellinger the next week. Mm, Oh, boy. Pass 24-13. 24-13. No Taylor either, by the way. So, that means a heavy dosage of possibly Deion Jackson, who's on my fantasy team. So, let's hope he has some points. <laughs> but I, I I don't see anything happening for the Colts offense this year, guys. Nothing for this game, especially. You know, we look at how they played last week against the Commanders, who have somewhat come alive on defense. But to score 16 points, mm, not, not good at all. So, still not good at all, right? And Ellinger didn't play bad, but this time he gets Bill Belichick, which is not going to be a fair matchup for him at all, at all. So past 24-13. The only thing working for the Colts' sake is that their defense is good, and the Pats' offense has been shaky, really shaky, actually mediocre. I mean, we made them look, in some spurts of last week, good, which they are not good, by the way. So that could bode well for them moving forward. But I'm going to go Pats here, 24-13. Uh, let's go to the Vikings game. Vikings and the Commanders. <sighs> Vikings. Another road game. Another chance for you guys to prove to me why you are dominant, why you are 6-1 for a reason, right? This team gets Taylor Haneke. Taylor Heineke, who is fresh off of a comeback win against the Colts last week. A miraculous win. We have Terry McLaurin in the team. But it doesn't matter. They're not a better team than the Vikings. Okay. Taylor Haneke, do I expect him to make some type of plays in this game as far as just getting the ball to Terry McLaurin? Possibly. Possibly. Okay, but from the Vikings standpoint, I want to see everything on display. I want to see a blowout here. And even though I'm not calling a blowout, I want to see a blowout. I want to see T.J. Hawkinson get the ball. I want to see some domination, some dominating factors from this game as far as just getting Adam Thielen and Justin Jeff- Jeff- Jefferson the ball a lot more times than not in this game. I want to see a completely clean game from turnover's sake. I want to see the D-line get after Taylor Haneke. Yo, put this team out of their misery. They are an ugly 4-4 four and four team right now. So if you are that good, then prove it to me. But I don't think they are going to prove it to me. I'm going to go Vikings 26-20, um, and the spread for that game is three points. So even Vegas knows. That the Vikings are not that, you know, they're not as dominating as they should be. Which is a problem because even though you have a divisional lead, when it gets down to the playoffs and the real gritty games, they're not there there are no more soft teams. There are no more easy teams to beat. So wh- what are you gonna do now? We'll see. We'll see, guys. Vikings 26-20. Raiders and Jaguars, two two win teams. Man oh man. Boy, oh boy. Ugh, disgusting. Anyways, the Raiders got punched in the mouth last week. The Jaguars, a narrow loss to the Broncos in London last week, okay? So, who do I have? I'm sorry, but I'm going with the Jaguars. Here's why. The Jaguars, to me, have this passing element that can stay in games, can make plays, can prove their worth, right? Doug Peterson... Although he has been lackluster to me, to me, he has been a lackluster head coach this season. It's still having some type of an element to the pass game, which I, I do like. And it's just up to Trevor Lawrence to make some of these throws to expand the game and to put the game out of reach. Now, against this Raiders secondary, there will be some plays to be made out there. There will be some plays to have some big gains in the game, right? As far as just the running game is concerned... I mean, we saw last week how Alvin Kamara gashed up these boys. So we saw also last week Travis Etienne gashed up the Broncos' defense. So yeah, he's due for another hundred-yard game, in my opinion. Like it'll be that. It'll be that dominant this weekend. And as far as the Raiders concerned, yeah, the Jaguars' defense is not the best either, but they have some chances to put some pressure on Derek Carr. It's not an overpowerful imposing defensive line that he's going up against. But, you know, Tyson Campbell, for me, as well, too, is not a a lockdown quarterback, but he can slow down Devontae Adams in a way. And if you have a game plan for Devontae Adams, you've seen this entire past couple of weeks that the Raiders, although they have an efficient offense, are not doing the best job as far as just getting other players involved. Right? Darren Waller, who's going to come back possibly this weekend. Um, Maybe he gets involved, but Hunter Renfro has been a shell of his former self. Matt Collins has not been the guy that I thought he would turn out to be after that miraculous game that he had a couple of weeks ago against who I believe it was the Colts. I forget who it was. Um, or Titans, I forget. But either way, though, they're not doing good enough. Not in my opinion. So I'm actually going to go Jaguars here, 27-24, and we'll see if they can win that game. But the Jaguars are underdogs in this game, plus 1.5. They, for me, cover Let's go to the four o'clock games. Here we go. Seahawks and Cardinals. Mm. First time around, there was no D-Hop. This time around is D-Hop, but D-Hop is going up against Tariq Woolen. So he's a rookie, not a lockdown cornerback possibly right now, but he still is a competent quarterback to, quarterback to slow down D-Hop, I think. You know, we'll see what happens in that matchup. But the Cardinals, what happened last time around? No running game. Pressure on Kyler Murray, okay? And he had to make a lot of plays. I mean, a lot of plays to keep the game in reach. Ooh, bless me. Thank you. Word to Quentin Williams. But anyways, the point is is that um, we have an edge rusher on this team for the Seahawks' point of view that can put some pressure on the QB. Nwosu? I'm sorry. Listen, I, I feel like I'm, I'm. I feel like I'm apologizing too much to these Seahawks players. I really am. First, it was Tariq Woolen. Then it was Kobe Bryant. Then it was Mike Jackson last week. Now it was Nwosu. Why didn't I? Why didn't I mention Nwosu last week? Because he had a great game last week too. Okay, he had a really dominant game last week too, putting pressure on Daniel Jones. This time around, he can do the same thing. He can. So I look at the Seahawks' point of view. We still do have that big play element from Geno Smith, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. We still do have that running element. I know last week Kenneth Walker wasn't the best, and he got going as far as just the last drive possibly. But overall, the game wasn't his to be made. But this week, though, he can make it his game again. So with that being said, I know the Cardinals are home, and they are favored in this game by two points. But I actually do believe in the Seahawks to get this job done. So I'm going to go Seahawks 21-20. It's going to be a really close game. Um, But if I see some um, of what I saw last time around when they first played, then I definitely do believe the Seahawks have a chance to win this game. So we'll see what happens. All right, Buccaneers and the freaking Rams. You couldn't have told me a couple weeks ago that this would not be a a really great primetime matchup, and right now it's not. Two three-win teams. In, what, eight weeks? Oh, my gosh. This is going to be sloppy. It it will be sloppy. And these teams, once again, are are much more desperate than they were last week because last week they have lost. (laughs) They've lost the past couple of weeks for the most part. So, yeah, they're desperate for the playoffs' sake. But who wins this game? I got the Buccaneers winning this game. 16-10. to Why? Because, guys, because. Yeah, we saw some uh, something from the Bucks unit as far as just coming alive from the offensive standpoint against the Ravens. But once again, it's the Ravens. We did not forget the Ravens give up some big plays in that defense when they play. This time around, a Rams front, a Rams defense in total that is much better, has been playing much better, and right now is top 10. So, yeah, it won't be as easy to make plays against this unit as it was the past couple of weeks against other units. Um, and I do believe that the Rams will have a chance to put pressure on Brady. Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald is still there. So don't get me wrong. These guys still are mismatches, even if the team is not playing the best kind of football right now. But for the Rams' sake, the reason why they won't win is because there's no Cooper Cup, I believe. Well, he has an injury, I think. So he's going to be hobbled which means their whole offense is done. (laughs) (laughs) The whole offense is done. If you have no Cooper Cup, there's no offense on this team because it's so disappointing to watch week in and week out. Sean McVay not drive up, not not draw out any plans to get guys like Allen Robinson involved. And he is, back in his day, a number one receiver on any team for the most part. But he hasn't been getting a focal point look for me in pretty much any game this year. So do I have any confidence to believe that they're going to try and get him to rock early on in this matchup? Possibly not. Possibly not. You know, and they don't do a great job at all at running the football. So, yeah, it's going to be tough for them. It's going to be tough. Um, And I do think that Matthew Stafford is being bothered by that elbow. And we saw last week that he was put under pressure a lot in that game against the Niners. This week, the Bucks come in time. The, I mean, they're home, obviously, but the they go on the road to a Bucks team that that, that still has some pieces there to put pressure on the QB. So I'm going to go Bucks here 16-10, to 10, but a really sloppy game. A really sloppy game against teams that are desperate to win because, let's face it, guys, these teams want to make the playoffs. It is still kind of, I want to say it's early. It's still like a chance, but every game, every week that passes by and they're losing games, diminishes any chance they have to make the playoffs. So, And as they lose their games, the other teams that we have not expected to win these games, the Falcons, the freaking um, Niners who are injured, the Seahawks, by the way, who are playing some good football, they have chances to win the division. (laughs) They have a great chance to win the division if they keep on winning games. And these teams, such as the Rams and Buccaneers, keep on dropping these close games. All right. Last but not least, on Sunday's matchup, we have the Titans and the Chiefs. The Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes is 0-2 in the regular season against the Titans. Can you guys believe that? Now, this is going to be a game where we can't have all game dosage of Derrick Henry to win you the game. Of course not. Andy Reid is too smart of a coach. Ryan Spagnuolo is too smart of a defensive coordinator to really let that happen. So, no. If it's Malik Willis, they're going to struggle a lot in this game. But I do believe that it may be Ryan Tannehill to come back into this game and be healthy enough to play where they're going to have something on offense to at least give the Chiefs something to think about, you know? So in that aspect, they have a chance. But if it's Malik Willis, you can't win any game, dude, by throwing 10 10 balls. Like, no, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen at all. Um, But – the Chiefs, though, the biggest thing here is to stop the run, obviously. You stop Derrick Henry, you win the game. <laughs> you stop Henry of getting 100 yards, you win the game. And even if he does get 100 yards, if you make the offense one-dimensional, which is the point I'm trying to make here, you win the game. Okay? We saw last year that Derrick Henry pretty much took over the entire game. They had no answer for him. At running the football and also as, as, as far as just being like a decoy for the offense. I mean, that Chiefs unit... Last year, I mean, that was during a time where they had some issues going on on offense, and Patrick Mahomes wasn't looking the best, and he was making some throws that was like, what the hell are you doing, type nonsense. And in that game, they had these different looks that were given to them by the Titans that caused them to lose focus, and that's how they got blown out in that game. But this time around, they're home, different type of game, the Chiefs are rolling, the Titans are still a good team, but You know, it's not the same kind of feel anymore. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs here, 27-17 to at home. It may be ugly at first, but I do expect the Chiefs to pull away late on in this game. And last but not least, the Ravens and Saints on Monday Night Football. Who do we have here? I have the Ravens. Got the Ravens. Why? Even though it may be a matchup problem. Because that Saints unit, as I have said this entire year, is still a good defense to me. And, by the way, they can still get pressure. We saw last week against one of the more, quote-unquote, top offenses in the NFL as far as just being efficient, which is very true that the Raiders are actually one of the more efficient as as far as the stats is concerned. They are one of the more efficient offenses in the NFL. Well, they got punched in the mouth last week. So, damn, that's what happened. For the Saints' point of view, though, they have guys on that team that can make plays, you know, that can stop this no passing offense that the Ravens have, you know? And by the way, no shot abatement. So that means more snaps, more plays for Devin DuVernay and whoever is on that team as far as that is that concerned, you know? So we'll see what happens in that department. I don't think they're going to have any type of big playmaking ability downfield as far as, as the passing game is concerned. But if you stop Devin DuVernay, if you stop Mark Andrews, <laughs> do you have a big chance to win the football game, which is why it's going to be really close for me. But the Saints' point of view, they have had a big issue, a big issue, guys, in the past of stopping any running QB. Last year, it was Jalen Hurts. You know, this year, it's going to be Lamar Jackson. Man, oh, man. I don't know. That's the issue I have here. They have a big issue at that. Even the Cardinals game, Kyler Murray, was dotting dumb boys up as far and also just making some plays on his legs, yeah, that's gonna be a big issue. So, with that being said, um, I know this t- the Saints defense can play a little bit fast sometimes. They can play a little bit with more heart, but Lamar Jackson is the sole reason why I'm picking them to win this game. So I'm gonna go Ravens here, twenty four to twenty three. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Saints won this game at home, but I, I do think the Ravens are on a winning streak that is going to continue. They have some more confidence. They're playing with confidence. Um, They just came off of a fresh win on the road against their rivals, the Saints rivals, the Buccaneers, which was a tough win in in itself. Have some extra time to relax and get back into shape, you know, with that TNF matchup. So, yeah, they're going to be well rejuvenated enough to win this game, in my opinion. So I'm going to go Lions. No, sorry, Lions. I just got a notification about the Lions. I'm going to go Ravens here 24-23. And that is it for the matchups for week nine. Guys, we'll come back next week to discuss, to analyze what the hell happened. Because obviously, I picked the freaking Eagles to blow out the Texans. And that didn't happen. So, yeah. There will be some some matchups where I go, what the hell happened here? Like, what did I think about this? Like, how did I come to this conclusion? (laughs) It'll be like that kind of case. But... Let's move on to some basketball talk. So as we know, Kyrie Irving is suspended for five games after his remarks on Instagram and whatnot. We all know the story. We all know the story. If you follow sports, at least. But there was a report that came out just recently, actually, um, according to Nick Friedle on Kyrie's future in Brooklyn. And he quotes, there's a good chance he's played his last game there. What? What is that? So, is that so? Now, it's a rumor. It's it's a statement that we can't really take. I mean, we can take it with a grain of salt, right? We don't really know if that's true or not. But if it is true, boy, does that put a dent in their "quote unquote" championship run aspirations? Because whoa, they cannot, they cannot win this title without Kyrie. They just can't, not in my opinion. And also, let's talk about Kevin Durant's statement about Kyrie Irving on his, his his talk about him as far as just the response to the five-game suspension. He states, I ain't here to judge nobody or talk down to nobody for how they feel, for their views and things. I just didn't like anything that went on. I felt like it was all unnecessary. I felt like we could have just kept playing basketball and kept quiet as an organization. Katie, now, you know that this organization in itself would never be quiet in the media, never be quiet. The moment Kyrie had his, his statements last year and his feelings last year, the moment he said that, that statement about Steve Nash, the moment you yourself said that you wanted to be out, it's either me or Steve Nash. Those moments tell me that the Nets will always have some drama. The moment the Nets inquired about Ime Udoka, Tells me they will never have any peace as, as long as you guys are on the team. So, come on, kid. Let's be real here. Like, you you knew that there would, there would be no way. No way. And I'm actually surprised that it took this long to get Kyrie suspended. Because you knew yourself. There would be no way that there would be anything to keep quiet about after his remarks and after what he did on his IG. Come on now. Let's be honest here. Let's be honest here. But... Going off of Kyrie in the basketball standpoint, if there is any chance that he has played his last game, which is very much possible, but I'm not sure how true this statement is. I'm just talking about it, guys. But if there's any statement that is true about this, boy, oh boy, would that be a dent. I wonder how Will feels about this because I know he's a big believer in the Nets winning a ring this year. I don't believe they're going to win a ring at all. I'm not going to lie. I just think that no matter and I've always been a big believer of this, like no matter how much talent you have, once there's distractions, once once there's head coaching decisions that are questionable, that are head scratching. You know, once there's no cohesion, it won't matter how much talent you have on that roster. You you won't win a game, which is why other teams that are not projected to go as far last year was the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, who thought the Mavericks would be in the Western Conference Finals? Who told me that? Who did? Because from what I saw, the Grizzlies were a better team than them. The, the Suns were a better team than them. You know? So I didn't think they would be that far. But either way, though, the point is, is that coaching does matter. Coaching matters. The distractions of a team matter. You don't want any distractions on your team. And there have been too many distractions. And it's so sad because I feel like I'm talking about this every time we get into the episodes of Game Breakers, talking about Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets. Teams that I, a team a team that I don't like, by the way. <laughs> but either way, I just don't see anything happening as far as the championship this year. And without Kyrie playing, there's no way they win a championship. No way. <laughs> so I'm gonna sit here once again, laugh in Will's face because he is so certain that this team will win a championship. Man, oh man. Ben Simmons was supposed to be the savior. Hmm. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. So, guys, I'm just saying. We'll continue to monitor the situation. If, for instance, this statement will be true in the future, then we will have a lot more to dive into. Now we can talk about the the, the truth, not the what ifs anymore. We can talk about the truth of what the Brooklyn Nets will look like without Kyrie Irving. So, Keep on monitoring the situation, guys, and let's see what happens. But let's move on to some NBA picks for tonight's matchups. I'm going to do this really quickly. So, first up, we have the Heat and Pacers. I go Heat. Uh, Jazz and Lakers, I go. Mm, mm, I go Jazz. I go Jazz. Cavaliers and Pistons, I definitely got to go Cavs. The Cavs have been playing some great basketball this season. Great basketball. To win two games against the Celtics early on in the season like that. Man, these guys know how to play some basketball. And I, I already knew this. I knew this coming into the season that they would be a problem. I knew. I didn't know how much of a problem they would be, but I knew they would be a problem. The Cavs are like the early version. I'm saying early, early version of the Eagles for me, because they were a team coming into the season where we expected them to be much better than they were last year. But we didn't know how much better they would be coming into the season. And so far, it's been living up to expectations. Why? Because I knew that once you already had a great, stout defense, top five defense last year, a great defense coming into this season, a good head coach, and JB Bickerstaff. And there were so many issues that came to scoring the basketball aside from Darius Garland, right? They needed that one guy or another running mate to help out Garland. And once you got Donovan Mitchell, there was no reason why I didn't believe that this team would not be a contender moving forward. And so far, they have been proving that. Even though it is only seven games in, they have been proving that. So, I'll go Cavs there again. Knicks and 76ers, I'll go Knicks on this one. Nets and Wizards, hmm. I'll go Nets. I'll go Nets. I'll go Nets. Bulls and Celtics, give me the Celtics at home. Hornets and Grizzlies, I'll go mm, Grizzlies. Clippers and Spurs, I'll go Spurs. I actually go Spurs on this one. Raptors and Mavericks. I'll go Raptors. Warriors and Pelicans. Hmm. Warriors are now three and six, guys. The NBA is broken. (laughs) The the NBA is broken. The Warriors are three and six. Nah, I'll go Warriors here. I'll go Warriors here. Bucks and Timberwolves. Hmm. Hmm. This is tricky. I'll go Bucks. I'll go Bucks here. Last but not least, Trailblazers and the Suns. The Suns get their revenge. I'll go Suns. And that is it for the NBA predictions, score lines, and whatnot. Be sure to check out some more in the future for Game Breakers. And, guys, what a fantastic episode, once again, hosted by your guy, Edwin. It's all just practice, trying to get better, you know, for the bigger and better things. But hopefully Game Breakers takes off like I think it will be in the future, which is dominant and so fun to listen to and watch on TikTok and Instagram and whatnot. But we were called over here, guys. We do our job over here. So I'm just letting you people know out there that if I could do it and be consistent, you can too. But anyways, you know what time it is, man. It's your boy Edwin. Seek us on Twitter, on IG, on TikTok. And we will be back next week to give you guys some more notes, some more details, some more analysis of the sports world and how we feel about it moving forward. And we are out.